Welcome, welcome. Hello, and welcome to episode 7 of the Dave Kirshner Lightning Round podcast. It is currently week 11 in the 46th Quadrennial Hunger Games, and I am your host, Dave Kirshner. So, for this week's show, I thought we'd start off with something different, you know, (laughs) before we get to the Biden administration and their recent bouts with ineptitude. Oh, and by the way, we're supposed to call it the Biden-Harris administration, because apparently they're equal. (laughs) Whatever! Okay, so, um, I started seeing information about Generac, and um, I have gone through the process of of trying to get a quote uh, from them as, as part of kind of what I was looking at doing for my own home. And what I discovered was that I got, well, I have a problem because my in-laws, this is how blessed I am. My wife's parents are divorced. Both of them are married, remarried. So I have two sets of in-laws. Thank you very much. They're very nice people, but... I like to crack on them about how the fact I have two sets of (laughs) in-laws. But I got an estimate some time ago for uh, a 16-kilowatt Generac um, with the transfer switch. Uh, There was a concrete pad involved. Uh, The electrical, uh, the material, battery, installation... Plumber, labor, material, all that fun stuff. And what they quoted me was uh, $7,100. And I could scale it down if I only wanted to, you know, to run specific circuits. Like run the kitchen and um, run this circuit for my chest freezer or run this circuit for my sump pump. I don't have a well. Uh, We're on city water, city gas, um, my dryer is gas, but my washing machine is electric, my dishwasher is electric, my refrigerator is electric, obviously. Um, I could use my gas stove, but only the range on top, because there's an electrical panel that would need to be powered in order for me to use the oven. I can't just light the oven. Um, So I got this estimate, and then mostly because the suburb that I live in, all of the power lines are aerial. There is nothing underground. The uh, power company here uh, refuses to even entertain it, except in uh, extreme circumstances where, say, there's new construction and there's a giant building or something going to go where the power lines are now currently routed. And, you know, so they need to put them underground. They need to put them under the building or go around the building. So instead of putting in new poles and going around and making a a visual bastardization of the power lines, they'll bury them then. And um, they will... If a homeowner, say, is doing a remodel or construction of some kind, 
they can pay the power company to uh, bury their power lines from the pole to their house so they don't have these these lines running from the pole to the side of their house and then down to their electric meter and stuff like that. But, so, the standby generator, the whole house generator, it was, it's a great concept, but I got, I have reservations because it is so loud. It, when it's running, you might as well have a, a portable generator running in your backyard. I mean, it has got a rather noisy signature, so everybody and their brother is going to know you've got power. And this could be a problem if you have something more than than um, a minor disturbance um, or a minor disruption, I should say. Because as I defined in the book, in in, in preparing to prepare, uh, a minor disruption is a week or less, a moderate is a week to a month, and a major disruption is a month or more. And we had a couple of what they called Derricos. They used to be just called windstorms. Uh, and they came through here, and we lost power for the better part of a week. Um, and my in-laws, who have a standby generator, which is kind of... I, I kind of... Uh, I'm not inspired, but uh, motivated them to get uh, a generator. And they love it. They, yeah, it's on the side of their house, and it's loud, but you know what? They had power, and I don't think they cared <laughs> what the neighbors thought. So, um, but it was really loud, and I, I did ask my my stepfather-in-law, um, you know, what, what was his gas bill for uh, the natural gas that powers it? And uh, he said that 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 the generator ran for four and a half days and his gas bill was about $1,500. And I, uh, so I started thinking there's got to be another way to do this that I guess the best way to explain it is you're going to pay one way or the other. And you can either pay all of your costs up front with solar or you can pay on the back end in terms of fuel costs with a whole house generator or even a portable generator because you're, you're going to need a whole bunch of fuel to last a week. Uh, if, you've got a, if you've got a larger, if you have a large portable generator, which has got about a 7.5 gallon tank, we talked about this before, you know, you're talking 15 gallons a day times seven days to make it through a minor disruption. That's a lot of fuel that you're going to have to have stored. And a lot of people don't have the space for that. And I know <laughs> my suburb is not zoned to allow me to have an underground fuel tank. <laughs> they might have a little problem with that. So 16 kilowatt uh, Generac uh, whole house standby generator was going to cost me seven grand. But then I started seeing um, where Generac is now in the power wall, power cell, uh, 
line of business, if you will, to compete with um, Tesla and um, the other company that eludes me right now. But so what they have come up with, and Generac is a very well-known, respected company. They they put out good, reliable products, and so I would be more inclined to go with them. I don't know what it is about Tesla. It just makes me feel like it's still a fly-by-night type of deal. Because I never know what Elon Musk is going to do. And, you know, he keeps kind of stating his uh, center-right kind of thought processes when it comes to business. And he's just a strange guy all the way around. So... But he's making these comments and, and, you know, he's moving, he's planning on moving to, from California to Texas, they, I believe. And it just, uh, I don't know if cancel culture is going to get him. And I would hate to be relying on the Tesla Powerwall when cancel culture gets him and, and Tesla is no longer around. It really... That one kind of bothers me. So I'm more inclined to go with, with a Generac. And I spoke at length with uh, a Generac rep. And he sent me over to um, a website. And the website was norwall.com. Yeah, norwall.com. N-O-R-W-A-L-L.com. And I started, as he was talking to me on the phone, we were going through the various pieces and parts that comprise their system. So basically, um, you would need a cabinet to hold the, uh, the three kilowatt battery modules, and you would need the inverter. And when I was talking to him, he said, look, this thing's completely scalable. Uh, it comes standard with, with a three kilowatt deal. I'm sorry, it comes standard in 9 kilowatt is their smallest one that they'll sell through their dealers, which means that's three battery modules. And so that it's scalable. So each battery cabinet can hold three to six of these battery modules. Uh, it can be installed with or without uh, solar panels. Uh, and this is where I was trying to get him to go was, look, it's going to cost me 30 grand to put panels on my house but can I just buy your cabinet and inverter and power modules and have that installed and charge it from the grid and he said yeah you could totally do that but you need to be aware that once those batteries are dead if the power hasn't come back on you're back where you were three days ago and I was like no I understand I just you know I need to start at a at a smaller uh, bite-sized piece and work my way up to uh, and by bite-sized piece I'm talking dollar amounts so for what amounts to eh, okay if we're talking prices so the the um, you can have it with or without panels if you get panels then you can you can still charge the batteries initially from the grid and then when the power goes out, your solar panels will keep the batteries charged and keep you in power and keep the lights on and stuff like that. But that leads to a different problem, right? So 
the the problem with the Generac whole house generator is its noise signature. I don't want to be advertising that I have a generator. But it doesn't matter what option you go with. A small generator that's one gallon fuel cell or a large portable generator with seven and a half gallon fuel cell. A standby, standalone whole house generator which is tied into either a gas feed from the city or it's tied into a propane tank that you have on site uh, or, or sometimes people prefer diesel. Um, all of those things you will hear a mile away and I do not want that. But whether you go with a, a fuel-based generator or you go with solar or even less reliable wind, um, the, the other problem you'll have to deal with is light discipline. And what that means is if you have power, nobody knows you have power because they can't hear it, but you've got lights running in your house and you've left the blinds open, curtains open, what have you, Everybody knows you've got power because everything around you is completely black. There's no street lights on. Nobody's got a night light on in a kid's bedroom. Nothing. And if you don't maintain some light discipline, everybody and their brother's going to know you've got it because your house is the only house that's lit up like Christmas. So that's something you got to keep in mind too. But anyway, back to the, the prices for the this Generac power cell. It's called Generac power cell, and they don't spell it power cell. They spell it PWR cell, if you want to Google it. Um, but the cabinet is 2400 bucks, and that holds a minimum of three battery modules and up to six. So that's where they're saying it's scalable. Um, the inverter is going to run you three grand, so you're looking at $5,400 just for the cabinet and the inverter. But you need the minimum they'll sell is a is a nine kilowatt system, and each of the battery modules are seventeen hundred bucks. So you're at fifty-four hundred between the cabinet and the inverter, and then the minimum three modules is going to add another fifty-one hundred dollars to it. Which means you could put a nine a silent nine kilowatt system on your house and charge it from the grid for ten five, and then it goes up uh, seventeen hundred dollars for every battery module that you add. So, in essence, if you wanted to fill the cabinet and use and and take advantage of all the space and put in six battery modules that'll give you 18 kilowatt hours and that'll be $15,600. That's half the price of 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 solar panels. That is comparable to the uh the oh pfft, Tesla and it's also part of Enphase. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I took my head was not letting me think of the word. So you have Tesla, you have Enphase, and now you have Generac. And all of them are comparably priced. Uh, and to give you a point of reference, the Tesla Powerwall is $11,500. It comes with a 10-year warranty. I have to go look what the warranty is on Generac, but I think it's comparable.
and it's rated at uh, 13.5 kilowatt hours. So uh, to put that into perspective, if you wanted to go with um, five modules at $1,700 a module, that's a 15 kilowatt system, that's $13,900. So you get an extra one and a half kilowatt hours for $400 more or so. Well, no, that doesn't sound right. Basic math here, Dave. 11.5 versus... Okay, so I was trying to get it to the same uh, wattage, but anyway, you get the point. So I thought that was worth mentioning um, and something to consider. It's, a, it's another product that's out there that uh, you might want to think about. And, and that led me to... Uh, another thought process uh, thought process when it came to solar but I'll get to that in a second and now we pause for some shameless self-promotion so fiction isn't your bag but you want to learn about preparedness planning and herbal remedies or maybe you'd rather make food not war then pick up a copy of one of my three nonfiction books cook a delicious multi-course meal from one of the menus in just a small gathering Get that medicinal garden going by planting some of your favorite ingredients and recipes found in home remedies, poultices, salves, and tinctures. And if you're curious about how to solve some of your prepping problems, pick up a copy of Preparing to Prepare and see what I've done and what I recommend. Now back to the show. Well, I felt that was a <laughs> that was the most appropriate commercial to put in there. <laughs> All right, so. I started thinking more about solar and the different implica implications that it could have in terms of how it's implemented in your preparedness planning. So what I just went through was for a scenario where you are going to shelter in place. There, is, rule of law still exists. Uh, there are no roving bands of, uh, you know, biker gangs or marauders or, you know, whatever. There's, we still have a functioning government. Uh, basic social services still continues. Not everybody's without power, what have you. You're staying where you are. Or there is a loss of rule of law and come hell or high water, you're staying where you are. You're going to defend what's yours until your dying breath. And, and that's a choice you're going to have to make if that scenario comes to pass. Do you stay or do you go? The problem most people have is they don't have anywhere else to go. So I'm trying to solve that problem, which is why you get my commercials in the middle of the show. <laughs> go buy a book. So if you decide that you need to bug out you need to get out of Dodge, uh, and you do have someplace else to go, and you're not just going to try and wing it in a national park. Um, solar could play a role in that. And by that, I mean portable solar. So these are things that are popular with uh, folks that are in motorhomes, fifth wheels, campers, uh you know, backpackers, so they come in all different sizes and all different shapes, and, and they carry uh, a wide variety of, of wattage um, 
options. So I found an article. It's on uh, bestreviews.guide. And it's for the best portable solar panels. And the number one thing that they said, so it's one through ten, yeah, top ten. Um, and, and your prices for these are going to vary based on the wattage that you're trying to carry. So the number one thing that they put in here was this, um, this Paxess, P-A-X-C-E-S-S, Paxess. It's a 120-watt portable solar panel. And you can hook up your laptop, your phones, you know, whatever, and you can charge them directly from the solar panel. And if you go to uh, if you go to Amazon, this thing's going to cost you about uh, one hundred and seventy-five dollars. That's not bad uh, because there are some like this Nomad site that I was on. They they is just ridiculous. They wanted. Um, Oh, where is their price? Oh, it was like $400 for a 100 watt from goal zero. So, it, you know, you, I guess maybe you might want to do some more research because you'll definitely get what you pay for in some of these. But um, these ones that are on this list, they, they're either 60 watt uh, or they're 120 uh, there's a 100 watt is number four. The AimTom Solar Pal 100 watt. Um, number two and number three are 60 watt panels, and those are from Rock Pals and Jackery. Um, and these are going to vary in weight. And we're going to talk about portability and the weight of it all in a second. But to give you some some idea, the uh, the Paxis 120 watt uh, panel, and these things all they all fold up on on themselves to, to to reduce their little footprint when you're trying to keep them stored when you're on the move. But this 120 watt deal, it's about 16 pounds. Okay, so that is something you need to think about if you're on the move. If you're trying to get from point A to point B, and point B is somewhere in the country and you run out of gas or something, this is a problem. You need to start thinking about how much stuff weighs and what is really important and what is not. What's going to keep you alive and what is sentimental because you're going to have to make those decisions. So coming in at 16 pounds is this Paxis 120-watt portable solar panel. They have add-ons that you can get it's what they call portable power stations and basically you can buy these things and you plug it into the solar panel and what it is is basically a portable um, lithium battery and you can plug this into your solar panel it's got a built-in inverter and all that fun stuff in it too uh, usually uh, but it's a quiet solar generator basically and you can plug all manner of contraption into that, um, and 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 power, you know, anything from, you know, a light. You can recharge stuff. But I mean, if you can recharge directly from the panel anyway, I'm not sure why you would want this. But uh, if you get one of these little solar generators that'll store any 
electricity, any power that you harness from the sun, you're adding another six pounds. And they're not super pricey, but they're still expensive. They're they're they come in at two hundred bucks. The one that was recommended by uh, uh, Best Reviews Guide, they uh, they recommended the Jackery portable power station. It's a 240 watt hour backup lithium battery, uh, and it comes in at about six pounds, and it's 200 bucks on Amazon. So that's that's something else that you can you can think about um, when it comes to uh, being. I don't want to call it on the run because maybe you're not on the run. Maybe you're just, you know, you're an avid outdoors person, outdoorsman, an outdoorsy family. Um, these are things that you can get. Uh, you can try them out when we're at peace, and you know, go to a, go to a campground or go do some primitive camping on, you know, out in the woods somewhere on somebody's property or your own property, whatever, whatever the case may be, you, you need to be trying these things out and making sure that you know how they work before you desperately need them to work. You don't want to be looking for an operator's manual while you're fumbling around in the dark and, you know, people are chasing you. That's, that's not the best time to figure out how stuff works. Okay? Um... And that brings me to the to the third thing I wanted to talk about, and they're all kind of related, and I hinted at it just a minute ago, and that is the weight of it all, portability. What can you take and what needs to just stay behind? Because when it comes to these things, you're going to have to make, at the time, what you think are, you know, really important decisions. And... You know, do you do you take your family heirlooms or, you know, do you bring that crate of extra food? Well, I'm going to vote for food. And, I mean, if you're really, and I hate to put it this way, but if you're really hell-bent on keeping some of your family heirlooms, then, you know what, go cash them somewhere. Because if, if you leave them in your house... And the rule of law doesn't exist, and there's people running around scavenging and cannibalizing stuff. You're, <laughs> whatever it is is going to wind up either being used for firewood, uh, something to cook with, um, or they're just going to destroy it, or you know they'll just burn your house down. So I mean, this is just spitballing, but you know you can use your imagination for what things might be. So if you do have to. If you do have to leave and you have to get out of Dodge um, to say, you know, the rule of law doesn't exist or, you know what, I'll give you a good example. Just last summer, uh, a lot of people that lived in the downtown urban area, they got the hell out of downtown because of all of the uh, various riots I mean, pick a topic, pick a cause, and they rioted about it. And no, they weren't peaceful protesters because they were picking up those little mailbox station thingies that are on the street and putting them through windows. And they were shooting fireworks at cops and they were hurling bottles and bricks and sticks and rocks. And, you know, there was just... A level of depravity with these people that I 
you know, it just was it. I want to say it was embarrassing, but not for me personally. It was embarrassing on a scale in terms of the human race. We didn't get our way. We don't like what's happening. We don't agree with whatever just occurred. And I need to vent my anger. So I'm going to go destroy stuff. I'm going to go try and burn down the state capitol and kick in the windows. I shit you not. They tried to burn down the state capitol. So the people that live down there, either they sheltered in place and they didn't come outside until the sun came up, or they got the hell out of Dodge. So if you're going to get the hell out of Dodge and you're worried about your stuff not being there when you get back, you have a problem. You have a portability problem. So you can only take as much stuff fits in your vehicle or fits in your backpack. And that is a big difference. And there's a major distinction between being mobile in a vehicle and being mobile on foot. Now, you can get four-wheel drive vehicles and, and uh, trucks, Suburbans, Tahoes, um, you know, what do they call them, mini SUVs or crossovers or, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter what it is, Honda Accord, you're only taking what you can fit in that vehicle. Period. And you're only going to go as far as the gas that's in your tank. Because you probably don't have gas cans shoved in your vehicle. A lot of the, a lot of the people that, you know, people that write in, in the dystopian uh, post-apocalyptic genre like myself, you know, I don't have a lot of faith in people that are not at least contemplating preparedness, maybe not to the level that I am, I mean, because I think about it every day. And I look at certain situations, I'm like, well, how can I, how can I solve that problem? Do I need to, oh, maybe I need to get more of those um, and keep that in my, in my stockpile. Or, oh, that would be a good barter item. Or, wow, I'm going to put that in, in, in my, my steel ammo can because that needs to be cashed on my way to this place or that place. So, when it comes, and the whole point of a cash is so that you don't have to carry it all at one time. Uh, a lot of people will recommend that if you have a place to go and you want, you know, get you're getting out of Dodge, and it's a good number of miles. There's no guarantee that gas stations are going to have gas because people are going to panic. And this is what I, this is what I write about. This is what other authors write about. It's just the general panic that comes over people when the grocery stores don't have enough food or toilet paper or bottled water or whatever they pick a consumable and people will panic over it. And then the media will latch onto it and cause a hysteria. So you have to be level-headed. You have to be planning ahead. And if you know where you're starting from and you know where you're trying to get to, and you know multiple routes to get there, you're ahead of 95% of everybody else. Now, to get yourself well ahead of 99.9% .9 of everybody else, if you know the most likely route that you're going to take, obviously, is not going to be a main Eisenhower interstate. You're not getting on I-40 
and going somewhere because all of those interstates go through all of those cities. You need to find an alternate rural route. Usually, the best route to take is the route that the interstate replaced. So where I'm at, I-70 runs east-west. Well, Route 40 used to be I-70. So the best bet for me to get east-west is to avoid I-70 and go find I-4 or Route 40 or a, or another rural road that parallels Route 40. Maybe I jig-jag and zigzag through um, through farmland, but I am going to do everything I can to avoid an interstate, and you should too, because that interstates to me are a death trap. I don't want to be anywhere near them. I don't want whatever land I buy to be within 50 miles of a freaking interstate. If you want to come get me and my stuff on my land, I'm going to make you work for it, because I won't be anywhere near a major road, I'll tell you that. Anyway, Say you're bugging out, you're going to your your property, or you're going to a, a friend or a family that has property, and, and you've worked all of this out before, and you just don't show up on somebody's doorstep and be like, hey, we're staying a while, because you might find out just how far they're willing to go, and it might not be very far. You might be welcome to sleep on the couch for a day or two, and then they're going to ask you to move on. Or, you know, you're going to come to some sort of bartered agreement for room and board. Uh, and they're going to put you to work. You're not going to show up and do nothing. I can guarantee you that. So, to get from A to B, and you know your most likely route, and you know your secondary route, and your tertiary route, um, it would behoove you to cash some fuel, stabilized fuel, for the vehicles that you're going to be driving. So if you've got a, like a buddy of mine, he's got a Ford F-350 Dually. It's a diesel. It has dual tanks on it. And he has a, a, a diesel tank in the bed of the truck that they use for heavy machinery. And he and I talked about this when I was down in North Carolina. If he, if the rule of law broke down, his vehicle is old enough that there are no sensors on his truck that would prohibit him from running red fuel. And if you're familiar with diesel, you'll understand what I just said. And for those of you that don't, basically the fuel industry and the Department of Transportation have different grades of diesel, if you will. It's not, I take that back, it's not a different grade of diesel. It's just designated differently. So a different tax is applied to that fuel when you buy it at the pump. So red diesel means that there is a dye, D-Y-E, that has been added to the fuel. And that fuel is only good for non-road vehicles, for construction, basically. Dozers, backhoes, tractors, whatever. Anything running diesel that's not on a highway can run red fuel. Green fuel, or just regular old diesel, you can put that in your truck and you can run that all day long. Now, he did tell me this. He said, when I, got, when I get pulled over and I'm driving this dually, this diesel dually, 
every single time the state trooper will pull a dipstick out of his trunk and he will test the fuel in my truck because I have the spare diesel tank in the bed of my truck. So that's an immediate red flag. If you've got a spare diesel tank, they will test your fuel in your actual truck's tank to make sure you're not trying to get away with running the less expensive red fuel. So, well, there's a little bit of a history lesson on, on dyes and taxation and, and diesel fuel. So, anyway, you want to cache fuel, and maybe you want to cache some ammo, some food, um, some extra uh, gear in, form, in the form of clothing or, or boots or shoes, extra socks, skivvies, whatever you want to whatever you want to cash, but you need to remember where the hell you put it. And that means landmarks that aren't going to move and what have you. So you want to cash some stuff because you cannot carry it all. But if you cash something far enough out that you know it'll always be safe, you know it'll be there, it's not going to get dug up and turned into a condominium or an apartment complex or a strip mall, then you can take the time to get off the road to dig it up or to uncover it, however you've hidden it, and then take a breather and, and take some time to figure out how to get that into your vehicle. And whether or not you're uh, strapping it to the roof of your car or the trunk of your car or whatever, you know, you're sho shoehorn it in there somehow, but... That's the whole point of the cache is that it gives you an opportunity to get some extra supplies. Uh, and sometimes it, you, you might find that they're desperately needed. Uh, particularly if you're on foot, uh, you don't realize how much rubber you'll wear off of your boots and your shoes if you have to walk several hundred miles. And... If you've cashed another pair of shoes or boots and you can make it there, you're going to you're going to be thanking God that you were that you had enough divine inspiration to put an extra pair of boots in your cash or an extra pair of shoes or whatever. But if you are on foot, you have a problem because well, you're in a good position because you're silent in theory. You know, if you're if you're by yourself or with your family, um, you know, it's, you're not going to be too loud. But you're going to have to figure out how to carry all of your gear. And to give you an example, say you have an AR-15. A lot of people do. Well, for every hundred rounds of two-two-three ammo, that adds nearly two and a three quarter two and three quarter pounds of weight to your bag for every hundred rounds. It weighs two point six nine pounds per hundred rounds. You like your forty five? You like your, your forty? Well, if you're carrying a forty five and you're bringing an extra hundred rounds, you just added almost five pounds to your backpack. Hundred rounds of forty five ACP weighs 4.69 pounds. The 40 will save you about a pound. It weighs 3.56 pounds per 100 rounds. That's why those weapons 
Those are good for uh, bipedal hunting. <laughs> Let's call it that. Um, that'll keep people from bothering you. Those rounds will put somebody down. But in terms of being able to survive because maybe you had to get out of town in a hurry and you didn't bring any food with you and you've got to find your food, you're going to want a 22. And I say that because 100 rounds of 22 is only three quarters of a pound. You could bring 500 rounds before you equal the same weight of 100 rounds of 45. So that gives you 500 opportunities to go find you some food. And even though the 22 is a small caliber round, it still is a lethal round. So you could defend yourself. Now, it may take more rounds to put somebody down, and it'll really piss them off the first couple times you shoot them with that thing, if it doesn't drop them. But you have 500 rounds for less than five pounds. That's a good uh, ratio. That's something you want to think about. But, you know, if you're thinking you're going to put some extra fuel in your car, gas cans, whatever, a regular can, can of gas is six pounds per gallon. Diesel is 7.6 pounds per gallon. Kerosene, 6.82 pounds per gallon. Propane, 4.25 pounds per gallon. So you see what I'm getting at here? Fuel is heavy. Water is heavy. Water's heavier than all of them. Water is 8.34 pounds per gallon. That's why if you're going to be on the run, you don't want to be carrying one-gallon jugs of water with you. You need to have a means to collect water and purify water, and you can do that with various filters and or tablets. You can get a collapsible water uh, container like I use for when I go camping. I have a five-gallon uh, container, and I will filter water right into that, and I'm good to go. But the container itself, I didn't bring full of water. I didn't bring 40 plus gallon or 40 plus pounds of water in my five gallon container. I showed up with my, you know, my my 16 ounce uh, empty water bladder, and I filled it when I got there. And then you don't have to have one of those. You can just have a a, a freaking life straw and just lean down and drink out of a puddle or a stream or a creek or a pond or whatever. Um, I have a gravity bag, and it's great. I literally, I just scoop up a, a, a bag of water, and I hook it into my filter, and gravity does the rest. And, and I just leave the other end open, and I fill up my collapsed uh, five-gallon container, you know, if I'm going to be there a while. Now, if I was on the move, I wouldn't do that, but... I would be able to filter enough water in a short amount of time that I would be good to go. So, a little bit different show today. 
Um, I wanted to stick to things that were preparedness minded, and so <laughs> totally winged it today. <laughs> we'll get to Biden next week because he's an idiot, and I'm sure he's going to do more jackassery. And his little spokesperson, Jen Pazaki, Tzatziki, she, uh, she, she. Man, she dodges and weaves with the best NBA players I've ever seen. So, all right, folks, you have a good week, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Happy Hunger Games, and may the odds be ever in your favor.